Hey everyone, and we're back. This is episode 84 of the District 3 podcast, uh, live from the Springdale Civic Center. And today we're joined by a friend, uh, a close friend who's doing a lot of good stuff in the community, and I'm super excited about her being here. Um, fortunately, she couldn't make it last week, but I'm glad that she's here. That's right. Uh, Miss Monique Jones, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And Monique has a long, extensive uh, repertoire and has and has been doing a lot of good work. A lot of titles, Monique. Mm-hmm. Let me read some of them because I feel like they're super important. Mm-hmm. You're a vice president of the NWA, NAACP, uh, director of evangelism and outreach of the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. uh, vice president of the Arkansas Support Network Board, and vice president and commissioner of the Fayetteville Housing Authority. How do you have time to do all of that, Monique? Um, <laughs> I don't sleep much. <laughs> but no, my I, I truly pray that he gives me the strength and that everything that I do glorifies him. And in my work is to engage and love on people. He requires us to do anyway. Do you feel that like all of your work that you do does root from God, from I, your I, faith? Yeah, I, I, all of my work, you know, I can remember early in my life, you know, you have these careers and you have these ambitions mm-hmm. and those are my personal motivations. But when I said about five years ago, okay, God, I've done all of this. What would you have for me to do? And he says, you have to surrender, though. And I was like, okay, mm. what do you mean? He's like, you got to get ready because I got a lot of work. And I go, I surrender. But also when I surrendered and I said, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. And I'll trust that you'll be my provider. And he's been my provider through it all. And how, how do you manage to do everything that you do? Just because for me, I mean, burnout is so, it's so easy to be mm. burned out. Um, how, do you, how do you balance that? I think I balance it... Um, when I, when I think about it, I had this rule about two years ago to not allow people to give me excuses because people do what they want to do when they want to do it. And so when it becomes a passion, it's easy and it's seamless for me to do it. And I, I insert it into my day. So I don't watch TV like I used to. Mm. And I don't like do a lot of things. I do have that, that balance. Like when I play, I work hard, I play hard. But I separate the two. So a lot of things I make a priority serving my community and so I end up having more time to serve because I'm not doing a lot of mundane things like watching the community I mean watching the TV or just kind of listening to the radio or just relaxing when I could be serving and I could be giving back time serving on committees how how important is mental health for you like your own mental health oh mental health is very important I um, am in counseling sessions every Monday because that also saves my life too because a lot of um, I'm pouring out to a lot of people, so I need someone to pour into me so mm-hmm. I can be ready to get back to. That's um, spiritually and mentally, and you got to have that balance, which makes you be the best person to go back and pour out to somebody else. And I do feel like there, there does need to be some sort of hobbies. Like, mm-hmm. do you have something that you I, at least can do on the side when you're yeah. not doing community work <laughs> that makes you feel good about yourself? I love to bowl, but okay. since COVID, we haven't bowled, and... Um, I'm trying to think. I, and I love to walk. Like, I like, mm. like being outside, and then that's something you can. And then we've also started bike riding more as a family during COVID, which releases that stress. And you kind of get that vitamin D with being outside, and it, ju- it just opens up also my imagination. It lets me kind of get off anything that I was holding on to, and when I get back home, I feel like it's 
a weight lift lifted off of mm. me. So I think I think you really enjoy your community work. You enjoy doing do. it, right? Because I can relate to that, right? Like mm-hmm. I enjoy being out in right. the community, and sometimes it's my wife that reminds me, "Yo, we need to do this at home. You know, we need <laughs> to get this done. We need to get that done." And me thinking that I'm out there trying to save the world, but I really need to get stuff done also at that's home, right? right? That's right. So it's like it's difficult to balance that, but. Um, one of the first things that I did want to talk about is y- the work that you're currently doing specifically with feeding uh, mm. the community. Yeah. And you've been doing that. How long has it been since you started doing that specifically with the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church? So I've been at St. James for nine years and I started working in their outreach ministry about three years ago. But in those times, I took under my pillar the food pantry and it was another leader that was leading it and he is no longer at our church and Mm. so because it fell under my leadership I just kind of wanted to learn everything about it and then I took over the pantry just so happened like I had did it for like a year and um, then COVID happened so I had to start thinking out of the box like how can I serve not just our church but our community And so St. James is located on North Street, North and Leverett in Fayetteville. And around that church is international students. Mm. So I was already used to, we we have what we call client choice. So right before COVID, if you came to the food pantry, you would sign in, I would assign you a personal shopper and you walk around and you would choose what you wanted and we wouldn't just put anything in your box. And so when COVID happened, we were limited to how many people can let in and out the building. So we stopped letting people come in and then we started just making food boxes. But I can um, attribute that Sarah Moore came into my life and asked me, she goes, hey, I was over at Willow Heights and they had a little food pantry and I was filling it up. And then all of a sudden these people start coming uh, mm. from everywhere like wanting the food and she asked me, how can we serve the community better? And instantly my brain just started thinking like, what can I do different? Sarah, another person with so much energy. That's right. That's right. We both are high energy. And um, it's funny, though, because I've never drank. I've never smoked in my life. I don't drink coffee. And I wake up and I'm ready to go, like, on fire. You got that Holy Spirit energy. That's right. right? That Holy Spirit energy. And it stays in me all day long. I'm, like, on a 10 all day. And I don't wind down until it's time to go to sleep. But then I sleep like a rock. I remember whenever I went to go volunteer, like, was it, like, four four or five months ago? Yeah. And I'm pretty, I'm a pretty energized person. Like, sometimes people tell me to chill, right? But, like, there was, there was a little moment where I was trying to take a little break, and Monique was like, no, you ain't taking no break, come over here and help me. I'm like, okay, Monique. (laughs) And I think we were there for, for a few hours, but... Uh, you just have a lot of energy, mm-hmm. and I and, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's crazy that I, I I for sure thought you would at least be drinking coffee. No, nope, never had coffee in my life. I just and when I get up, I I'm gonna tell you that I get up with the intention saying, okay, God, what do you have for me to do today? Mm-hmm. And everything that I do, make sure I do it that it gives you the glory. Hide me behind the cross. Don't let bind Monique's hands and Monique's thoughts. And because sometimes we get up and we write out our goals and our achievements and we leave him out. But putting him first allows me, like you said, to tap into that Holy Spirit to say, okay, you're on track, and now I'm going to help you with that. And so then I make sure that I'm aligned with him, and that alignment gives me energy and power. And then when I hear, you know, thank you, ma'am, for you, that you've done, I go, okay, I know that I'm doing what you told mm-hmm. me to do today, and I'm not. it's not about me. So how does it feel? I know you talked about doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but it, it kind of seems to me like, 
in these past few weeks you've you've been in the newspaper mm-hmm. i've seen you like on two different newspapers mm-hmm. online and now you're on this podcast <laughs> people are people are obviously <laughs> recognizing that you're doing this work um but i think i think you're the kind of person that this kind of publicity still won't kind of won't get to you because you know the, what you need to do and every single day that is a hundred percent correct because my prayer is for humility and wisdom understanding what do you want me to do the problem and he says if you ask i will give you the wisdom mm-hmm. the problem is sometimes we try to rely on our own knowledge and our own logic and that's not what he wants us to do he wants us to seek him for wisdom and then that holy spirit that walks with me i mean like i'll have these out of the box ideas that come and i know it's coming just from god saying okay you ask and i'm going to give you this and so I'm like pumped up because I'm ready. Like, what you got for me? What you got? Because we gonna do this. Do you and ever ask your? Do you ever tell God, "Don't give me too much"? No, no, I've never. Cause it blows my mind though. Like He said, "I will bless you with above, beyond, more than you can ever imagine." And I can tell you, being in a newspaper or being on a podcast, that's something I never imagined. But I still say, I go to Him and say, "Keep me humble and re- remind me." that I'm here to give you the glory, to exalt you in all the things that you do, because you are my father and you are my keeper. Mm -hmm. He gives me the rest for my body. And when I sleep, I say, I pray for rest for my body, my soul, and my mind, because I want everything to shut down so I can be 100% good for tomorrow. So the food pantry, like like I said before, it's at the uh, at the missionary church, mm-hmm. uh, St. James, historic. Make sure we include the historic <laughs> right, in there, because right. I heard Monique likes when we include the historic in, right. in the name. Um, so, can you tell us more about that? Like, how many like organizations you work with, or or you help feed on a, on a weekly basis? Well, I'm going to tell you that the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church has been around for more than 150 years. It was actually started by a slave, Squire Jahagan. Mm. And um, it sits on, I would say, it sits on sacred ground because that's where he started, where the church is at 115 South Willow. Mm. And so St. James has a church on North Street, but the 115 South Willow is where the food pantry is open on Tuesdays from 10 to 2. Um, When we started there, I wanted to pay homage to him that he also came into the community and we were one of the first black churches that integrated and allowed different races to come in and so even into the food pantry it's not about your race it's not about your religion it's not about your nationality it's people i see it as a community pantry because anybody from the community can come in to serve to help out to deliver and so we have partnered with um saint paul's church we partner with New Heights Baptist Church, our biggest contributor has been the Jesus Christ Church of Latter-day Saints. They came in with a truckload of food and gave us 12 pallets of dry Mm. goods. And um, if I started naming, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to forget some churches, but Community Church, um, Christ Community Church comes in. We've partnered with um, Restoration Church. We partner with all these communities, and I I don't want to leave off that... And not everybody's a church. Yeah. So we do use the sheriff's department and we use the um, Fayetteville Police Department to help us deliver. But I actually brought them in because I wanted them to see what community policing looks like. Mm. So instead of coming suited and booted in your guns and your badges, wear your regular clothes and then knock mm. on the door and say, hey, I'm Jay giving you a box. Not Jay the sheriff or Jay mm. the police officer. I'm just your neighbor, Jay, making sure that you get a box for the week. Mm-hmm. And I think they've had a heart change while they've been there 
helping out. I also was a big contributor that started with us, and they're still with us today, is the Rotary Club. They came in like a group of people with trucks and trailers, and then they made financial donations. Then they were bringing food, and their volunteers started with us March of 2020, and they're still showing up today. And it's because, not just for me, not for St. James, we're feeding communities coming from Farmington, Lincoln, Prairie Grove, we're feeding communities from all over Washington and Benton County. And the church obviously has uh, multiple uses. Besides mm -hmm. the food pantry, can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what else yeah. you're doing with the church? So um, last year, I am also um, was on a CLC call, which is the Continuum of Care, that really focuses on homelessness. And that's one of our pillars in the outreach ministry. It, we focus on hunger, homeless, homelessness, and poverty. And um, sitting on one of those calls, Pam, the ED, said, hey, why don't some of us faith-based organizations step up right before the season changes? And so St. James offered to open up our sanctuary upstairs, and we have partnered with Seven Hills. And so Seven Hills Day Center is upstairs at 115 Willow, and they serve three hot meals a day. You can get clothes, shoes. You can get help with utilities. You can even get help with getting your mail if you're homeless. Your mail can be sent there, so then that way you have an address to mm -hmm. keep up with your information. And so that's been a great partnership. We're installing showers in the facility, making different changes. And in the future, we're planning on partnering with other community organizations like Dress for Success, just making sure we're a one-stop shop to be there for our community. And I think we, whenever you gave us a tour a few months back, which, mm -hmm. I mean, the location's pretty big. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, of potential to do a lot of amazing things. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned in your plans that you also wanted to possibly, like, add some computers. That's right. We're, we want to do a computer room. And that com computer room I want to make available for children and adults, even for justice. If somebody has a court hearing and they have to get on Zoom, those computers can be used for you to get on Zoom, and then we'll have people to help you log in. We're working with the Fayetteville Public Library. We'll be partnering with us. And we're just trying to use the resources that's already available and make sure we partner to make sure we're meeting the needs of the community. If there is any folks in the homeless community that are listening to this, uh, how or, or how, how do they approach the church like for them to, to receive some sort of assistance? Do they just walk into the front door? Well, there's two ways that you can receive it. I, and I can tell you that I worked with Ozark Regional Transit, and I got a bus stop installed right there across from the church. Mm. So you can catch any bus from um, in Northwest Arkansas and ask for a connection to bus number 10. It'll bring you and drop you off right across the street from the church. You walk into the front at Seven Hills, and they can be able to serve you. They can make sure they take care of your needs there. One of, one of the other things that I did want to talk uh, to you about was your involvement with the, the, the sheriff's group, mm -hmm. the criminal justice yes. uh, sheriff's group that, mm -hmm. uh, was it just in 2020, whenever? No, it was in 2019, It was right? in 2019. Um, Judge, Joseph Judge would dissolve the group in 2020, right when COVID happened. But I tell you, that was some work that needed to be done. And I think it exposed some issues that we don't just need to expand our jail. We, look, we need to look at alternatives to jailing. We need to look at alternatives to providing that support for that person that may have made one simple mistake mm -hmm. and not throw away the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, I think you did a really good job of just managing mm -hmm. everyone, you know, because in those kind of <laughs> yeah. groups, those kind of groups can get kind of problematic. <laughs> and sometimes there's folks that 
want to give you all of their opinions <laughs> and and just ignore other people that need to say things too. That's so right. you were able to be like, okay. Yep. We're not getting anywhere right now. Let's move. Let's move on. Let's get this done. And, and I really admire you for being able to do that, especially in a in a male dominated oh, yeah. field. I'm gonna give you my secret to that. So I have um, brothers. I have about five other brothers, and they're six feet two, six five, six one, six six. But I'm the older sister. Mm. And when Daddy used to leave, he used to put me in charge. So I would <laughs> see these men around the room thinking. Oh, I'm in charge. Daddy's not here, but guess who's in charge yeah. of this room? And so I had to take that mentality walking into there. Otherwise, I would have let somebody overpower me or make me feel less than. But with Sheriff Helder and the group actually voted as um, assigning me as the moderator for the group. And I thought, okay, so I need to own this responsibility mm-hmm. of managing this group, this conversation and to make sure we're productive and moving within an hour because the group the meeting was just a one hour meeting and so i had to do a lot of pre-work before we got there and make sure we stayed um tight on our time and making sure we're having valid conversations that would bring out some true productivity and i think it's just in general it's it's hard to manage a room like that because Mm -hmm. it has mayors sheriffs Sheriffs. police chiefs judges Mm -hmm. prosecutors and you know uh, people want to be opinionated and want their voices to be heard, mm-hmm. right? So finding, finding a balance within that room is, like, super tough. But I think you did a really amazing job, Monique. Uh, in regards to that, like, going forward, uh, there's definitely – you definitely feel the same way that I do, that there's still a lot of work to do it there, is. right? It is. It's a lot of work to do. And we can't, and we can't um, sit down thinking that somebody else is going to do it. I challenge any and everybody that has one to two hours out of your week to listen in on a city council meeting, get involved in your quorum court meetings, know what's going on because when they make decisions for you as a community and you don't want to get involved, you can't complain. It's like not voting. Don't not vote and then say, I hate that these taxes are too high. We have to know, number one, it's our money that we are using to pay the city. We're there functioning off of our tax dollars. Why don't, we, why don't we want to sit at the table to know what they're doing with our mm-hmm. tax dollars? I would love to know where my money is being spent. And every time I pay my taxes on my vehicles or my property, the first thing I start thinking is, you need to be sitting at those city council meetings. So that actually fires me up when I pay my taxes because I start getting mad that I'm going to drop off a $1,500 check mm-hmm. and I don't know where my money going. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to start going to these meetings. So I think that way, and I think more people need to recognize you're not paying into a black hole you're paying into community members managing your money that you're paying into the city and that city has a responsibility to spend it the right way and not waste our money i do think that like groups like this criminal justice group that uh, happened in 2019 it did it did need more diversity Mm -hmm. because um i know specifically for the latinx community Mm -hmm. just in general Mm -hmm. they did have someone but the person never really showed up to the meetings right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i was thinking to myself man i I know 10 people right at the top of my head that should be in here Mm -hmm. and should and should be active against 287g you know in 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 washington and in benton county um so it's definitely there definitely is a lot of more work to do Mm -hmm. and but it made me happy at least whenever i started going to these meetings to Mm -hmm. see that you were there in charge right because you know there's still more (laughs) there's still more room for for more diverse people that's true and you know i had this conversation just yesterday i was on a the black history um art project with raven cook 
and Lakeisha Bradley, who owns Mighty by Design. And within that group, the police department was sitting there. And I thought to myself, um, I actually discussed how when I became an HR manager, one of my supervisors said, not only have I not ever went to school with a black woman, I've never worked with a black woman, and I've never had a black woman tell me what to do in charge. Mm. So it's different for some people. And I need them to understand that we have the same level of intellect that they do. And I'm going to tell you this, and this right here can go as far as you can take it. I was made brilliant in his image, and there's nothing that God can't do that God can't give me the ability to do. So if I just show up and show up with the right attitude and show up to not be judging anybody either, like because when I came in the room, I didn't. I need to know your title. I needed to know if you were going to be on the same level and the same mindset of us trying to reduce the jail numbers because that was our whole goal is how do we reduce these numbers as opposed to building a larger jail mm -hmm. and when i saw that somebody was coming in with this different attitude my goal was like i need them to see what i see and and the example that i gave was we want to build a bigger jail because we think we're going to have these shoot these bigger um more population are going to get um arrested but i told them i said if you think about it if my husband built me a bigger closet I'm just going to buy more shoes to fill mm -hmm. it up. It's the same with the jail. We tend to not start thinking them as people, but think, thinking them as numbers that we need to fill this jail. And that's not necessarily the way we want to function in this community. And I think people have just have, I don't know, I don't want to say that they've given up because, like, people shouldn't give up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are solutions, but I guess it's mm -hmm. easier to just build a bigger jail, right? Because yeah. Yeah, it's like, you don't have to worry about decreasing the population. I mean, one, one good thing that's happened in Washington County was that, and it, and it is COVID-related as well, the population of the jail did go down, mm -hmm. and, I mean, we didn't need to build a bigger jail. That's right, that's <laughs> right? right, that's right. It's like... Like, we ask God for something. We don't know how he's going to give it to us, but he shows still changed that thing. I'm telling you, because we, we assume that it's going to happen our way, but he still made it happen no matter if it was COVID or not. And I can tell you, I then want them to see that nothing like one of the one of the um constituents that sat on that committee said oh if we don't put everybody in jail Fayette is going to turn into little rock mm. like i'm not from Arkansas. so what does that mean mm -hmm. so she started looking at the statistics and if you think that way then that's that show us she'll be so he was already thinking we need to build a bigger jail or else crime is going to get out of control mm -hmm. but because COVID has reduced the numbers I don't see the crime rate going up just because mm -hmm. we've reduced the count in the jail. So that dispels what he thought was going to happen because we we reduced the jail count numbers. Yeah, I mean, and people just just with with folks being cited out. I think oh, that yeah. if we could get more folks cited out instead of you know being in the jail for months, mm -hmm. even before even before they've been convicted, mm -hmm. they're oh, already yeah. being punished. You know, by That's by being true. in there for a few months and. And um, so it's definitely, I just thought that was really interesting, the fact that, um, you know, the population went down. I think it was kind of hitting the 800s, I believe. Mm. And right now it's in the 500s, I believe. But um, during like the past few months, it was in the 400s. Well, so I, want, I want you to speak to now what was happening before people were siding out and, and get, getting the population to understand what does that mean of somebody being arrested and sitting there waiting yeah, one of the easiest way that I try to explain to people is that people are literally being punished before they're even found guilty. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody can make 
a, a an accusation, right? Anybody yeah. can call the police on someone and say, "Hey, this person did this to me. Mm-hmm. This person hit me," mm-hmm. right? Or just or just anything in general. And people will get arrested and will end up in jail. What ends up happening, of course, is the folks that have money can pay for their freedom. Mm, that's good. To pay hear. for your freedom, mm. and before you've even been convicted. So whenever we started doing our work at the Washington County Jail. We saw folks in there that had been in there for eight months simply because they couldn't pay their bill. And there's, there's also folks, you know, with severe mental health issues who are still in there simply because they don't even remember who to call of their family members. Some folks think that they've already paid their bond. Mm-hmm. And this all roots from mental health issues, right? Right. So we try our best whenever we interview. Uh, and, and when I say we, I mean we as the Bell Project. Thank you. Try to do our, our best in... In case we can't get someone out that does have severe mental health issues is to refer them to the CSU Mm. so that they can do an evaluation and figure out if this person needs some help. Because it's really sad to me the amount of people with mental health issues that are stuck there. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you and the Bell Project. Um, You guys have shown up and really made an impact on this community. I can um, tell you we had a NAACP event last year and a couple of the Bell, Rep- Bell Project representatives spoke, and people left from there and were able to help family members because they didn't know you were in the mm. community. And just little things, uh, like you said, getting somebody out before they were even convicted makes a difference because yeah. that hurts. Even if you weren't in a bad mental state, sitting in jail for and being locked up for a long period of time can change your whole mental capacity. Mm-hmm. You can lose your drive to just want to do better because you think like this right here can tear and break a man down. And I think that's why originally you, you thought the jails were supposed to be for rehabilitation and it got to a point that they were wanting to strip you of your humanity mm-hmm. and strip you mentally of your thought process that you had worth and value. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Shout out to uh, Madeline and shout out to John Comstock who um, were some of the people that actually thought about bringing the Bell Project to mm. Arkansas. And um, and I just appreciate the relations that we've been able to build, you know, with people like you mm-hmm. and other folks. Um, I think one of, the, one of the beautiful things of the Washington County community is that there's just so many people that want to help. Mm-hmm. It's just figuring out where to put them, right? right? Or how to direct them and be like, oh, you want to do this, you want to do that, you should be here. You'd be good at this. But there's a lot of people that want to help here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's beautiful. Um, one of the things that I that I kind of notice a lot, Monique, uh, specifically in Fayetteville, in Springdale as well, there's still a, a big homeless community that needs a lot of help. Yeah. How do you deal with that? On because I know that the church, the the St. James Missionary Historic Baptist Church, is right in the center, yeah. probably of like the homelessness mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. Um, in Fayetteville. Um, does it ever feel to you that that you because I feel this all the time. I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Um, I do. I wake up with these epiphanies. Like when it really got cold and it was snowing, I thought, what can I do different? And whether it's sending an email to the mayor or to Judge Joseph Wood or to COC, I feel like there is something all of us can do. Are we going to be able to fix it all overnight? No. But like even small donations help from blankets to cots our food pantry locate um donate sometimes the um wood crates to make sure no one's sleeping on the ground 
We, we collect coats. We collect food and baby items for, because you don't know people's situation. And I feel like if I don't have the means, let me see what I can do to get to help. Mm -hmm. I can, um, my most impactful success story was I met while I was serving at the food pantry, three homeless people that all got a job at McDonald's and they pool their money together to get one place and share it. Mm. So they got a two bedroom, one person took one bedroom, one took the couch and one took another bedroom. And I thought, well, they did what they needed to do to get off the streets. Now, how can I support further? So we started, um, St. James started partnering with Potter's House. And so we bought vouchers from Potter's House. So if you need household goods and clothes and sheets and bedding, we're there to support you because as a community, I want you to succeed. So what can I do? You did. They took the first step. Yeah. They are trying. Why can't as a community we continue mm -hmm. to add on that and make it easier for them? And I can tell you this happened about three months ago, and they're still working. Mm -hmm. And they still got a roof over their head. And they show up at the pantry to get food, which I want them to because supplement by coming and get that food box and use that money that you would have spent on food. And make sure you pay your bills on time because I want you to stay housed rather than um, making a choice whether or not do you pay a bill, do you buy food? Come and get food from me and pay your bills. Isn't it beautiful to see those success stories? That's beautiful. I, and I get to know them. I get to know mm. them personally. And I think that's the other thing is um, God has given me the gift of loving people just where they are. And so I don't need to know what your religion is. And I don't care about your diversity or your background or your sexual orientation. I just need to know you as Irvin. I just need to know you as a person. And so even as you, I see you like my little brother. And so I'm like, how, if I saw my little bro brother suffering, how would I want somebody else to show up for him? How would I want his friends to show up for him? So that's how I show up for them. Like if it was me and or my family in this situation, let me treat them the way I would want somebody else to show up for them in, in my absence. That's beautiful. Um, going back to the food pantry, do you all uh, require ID? For folks to be able to get anything we do ask for ids to check in but if somebody needed food and they didn't have id they're still going to get food yeah because i was wondering mm -hmm. just because i know that some other churches like it's like super mandatory and like of course we have a big undocumented mm -hmm. community here in northwest arkansas yes and i just wanted to make sure that like folks can uh, and still... i'm glad you said that we've worked with rooted and um the arkansas immigrant defense fund to make sure that we're serving all members of our community because I'm going to tell you right now, when I go before Jesus Christ on that day, he's going to ask me, did you get the ID before you gave him food? Mm -hmm. No, he's not going to ask me that. He's going to ask when they were hungry, did you feed them? Mm -hmm. And he's not going to matter whether or not they had an ID or not. And I know I'm going to be held accountable on that day. So when I go before him, I want my heart clear and my mind clear that I did the right thing. Definitely, definitely. And what, what's some of the work that you're doing with NCBA? So NCBA is actually a senior um, program to help hire and retrain our 55 and older seniors in our community. So we're partnering with um, community members like LifeSource and um, Salvation Army, um, Potter's House, to try to help 55 and older regain skills so they can get back into the workforce. Even if they receive Social Security or Social Security Disability, they can be in this program and we will pay them $11 an hour to train them in this program. Mm -hmm. And so I'm recruiting throughout the community 
and it doesn't matter the diversity or the background. If they're 55 and older and they want to learn a new skill or start training with someone in the community, if you're a vendor and you need some help, you need to start training someone as a receptionist or somebody to come in as a janitorial or you need someone that you want to start training to help you out. Free Geeks use us and they train seniors in order to help them. If you know a host company that would like to work with us or some, someone that's looking for a job to get back into the community, I know our, our unemployment rate is still high. They can come through St. James Food Pantry and NCBA will help them get placed. So cool. And uh, so when, when you want, when people think about you, mm -hmm. Monique, um, what's, what's one of those, of those things that you wish people, um, like when they hear the name Monique Jones, mm. to think about? Um, that she was just a great friend, and she treated me with the most utmost respect. So I just want to be recognized as that friend that you can call, and I'm always going to be respectful and not judgmental, and just love you and meet you where you are. And what would be a good call of action that you would like for folks who are listening in right now to maybe get involved with, with anything, any project that you're working on? Well, um, I can tell you, if I thought about um, just sitting back and looking, we are delivering anywhere to um, 300 to 460 boxes a week of food, but we haven't touched the people that still need. We need to reach out to the rural communities and touch all of them to see how can we support you in your um, food insecurities. And right now, like I said, we're delivering to Prairie Grove, we're delivering to Lincoln. What about um, Centerton? What about um, West Fork? What about Farmington? What about Elkins? You have all these other little small silos of rural communities that are still having issues with food insecurities. And if community members want to come up, if they want to gather a group of people and say, hey, I have my group and we're from Elkins, and if you make the boxes, we will come. Guess what? We will make the food boxes and make sure they get the food to the community. So I challenge anybody in the community, if you have identified a group of people, impoverished people, or just don't have access to transportation, because that's the biggest issue. We may have ORT here, but they're not running real routes to pull those people into this community. And so if you want to gather around some community members to come and pick up boxes of food to make sure your seniors, your elderly, your veterans, or your impoverished community gets food, get with us. Call St. James, and we can make sure that we get those boxes out to you. There you go. There's the call of action to anybody that's listening. Uh, Monique, thank you for You're taking welcome. the time to be here. Really thank appreciate you. you and really look forward to just seeing everything that you do or uh, the light of, of God does through you. Yes, right. Yes. Um, so appreciate all your work and just know that we're so super grateful to have you here and super grateful just that you're helping out so many people uh, in this big time of need in our state, in our country. So we really appreciate it. But that's the end of episode 84 of the District 3 podcast. We'll be back next week. Thank you all for uh, joining us this week.